Luke chapter 5, the verses that we're going to concentrate on and take a look at is verses 12 through 16. Luke 5, 12 through 16. And before, before we actually get into it, let's pray together and then we'll, uh, we'll dive in and take a look. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning and we come just to, just to hear from You, Father. We pray that You would work powerfully in our hearts this morning, that You would give us a heart to receive Your Word, to see who You are through Your truth, that it would draw us in faith and repentance unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that uh, we would grow in um, the knowledge and of the, and of the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so Father, would You um, just work in a mighty way, change us, transform us, make us more for Your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week at chapel, R.C. Sproul, he, we saw that video and R.C. Sproul talked about the holiness of, of Jesus and uh, how Christ is so much unlike anything or anybody that we know. He's, he's totally different. And, and the holiness he spoke on um, of Jesus. And one of the places that he, that he mentioned towards the end of his um, uh, towards the end of his time was Luke chapter 5, and he mentions 1 through 11, actually. He talked about how in this account, Luke 5, 1 through 11, is when Peter has been fishing all night long, and he's, you know, he's a professional fisherman. He's been fishing all night long, and Jesus tells him to you know, throw the nets over the side of the boat, and he's like, I, we've been fishing all night long. And he does it anyway. Um, as you can see, but at your word, I will let down the nets. This is in verse uh, 5. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at, at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. And, and Peter, he recognizes that, that Christ is like no other. That there's, there's something totally other than what he re- knows is in Christ. And it, and it causes him, when he realizes this, he almost sees reality. He's starting to get a picture of reality of who Jesus is and the reality of really who He is. And he's exposed and he, and he falls on his face or he falls at Jesus' knees and he, the thing that he says is, depart from me. He understands, I'm a sinful man. Um, he says before the Lord Jesus. And he just recognizes, and R.C. Sproul just talked about how he, he realized he was in the presence of something holy, of someone holy here. And, what I, and as it goes on here in verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, look at, so Simon's response is, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. But Jesus' response to Simon is this, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And as I, as I listened last week to R.C. Sproul, I thought it was just really good. But the question that was in my mind as I left, um, and has been all week long, was, who is Jesus? Who is He? 
Who is this man, Jesus Christ, who walked on the face of the earth 2,000 years ago? Who is this man? And that was a question that kind of just rang in my head, and, and it was kind of a burning question in my heart. And, and, and really, that's the desire that I would have for, for you this morning, is the, that question of who is Jesus. And it would take you to the Scriptures, it would take you to the Gospels, and you would find out, you would read, and what does the Gospel say about who Jesus is? What does it say about who this man is? And what I want you to see, we're going to take a look at a passage here. It's, it's 12 through 16 this morning. It's a little portion of who Jesus is. We're just going to take a little picture. This is one little picture of one instance in the life of Jesus Christ as He walked. This is a little picture of the entire Gospel of Luke. And Luke is in a historical account of, of Jesus of Nazareth. And it's a historical account of what He did and who He was. And it's meant to teach us of, of the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so, we're going to take a, a little look at it, but I want you to see that it's a bigger picture of the Gospel of Luke and of the four Gospels of the Jesus' life, the testimony of Christ, and, um, and the entire Scriptures of Christ. So let's take a look. Let's, let's get into um, verse uh, number 12 here. It says, verse 12 says, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. So right away, that first sentence, Luke introduces us to a man. Okay? And you can see he introduces us to a man that is full of leprosy. So he's painting a picture here. He's telling, he's telling us a story. You've got to get this in our mind. He's, he's telling us there's a man that comes here, and he's full of leprosy. I've never been around leprosy before. Can't say I've ever seen leprosy firsthand in my life. I'm, I'm assuming that most of you guys have never seen leprosy as well. Um, but leprosy um, is a lo loathsome disease. Um, it's, a, it's a skin disease, and, and, and what it does is um, it deforms you. It, it'll deform your face. Sometimes if you see a, a man or a woman with leprosy, they may not have eyes or or their ears may not have any ears, or their nose may be eaten away, and, and um, their teeth, and their, their skin on their face, and their hair. They may not have those things. And some people call it lion's disease because of the way that it, that it, that it makes you look. You're, it, it just deforms your face so, so greatly. And even in the later stages of the disease of leprosy, um, it can eat away the digits of somebody's hands. And uh, they might be curled up or, or even gnawed away um, in leprosy. It's a terrible disease. Um, and even they would lose, they would lose their feeling. Uh, a lot of times a leper, would, they would lose their feeling. So like there's accounts of lepers being able to touch hot coals, burning coals, and not knowing it because of, it destroys the feeling in their hands or their face. And they don't know. And so you could actually... Um, cut your hand terribly bad down to the bone and never know it as a leper. It could, be, could happen that way. So it could be that you had open sores because you just could not feel, um, feel the cuts and the, and the bruises and the things that went on. So, so it was a, a very terrible disease that was very loathsome. It was almost, like, to you, 
a better term, I can't use a better term, but it was kind of a disgusting type of, of um, disease. Another thing about leprosy is that it was incurable. There was no cure for leprosy. It was a deadly disease. It, may, it, was, it was fatal. Um, I don't have a great comparison today to leprosy back in the ancient times. Um, you could almost say it was fatal like a, a terminal cancer. But um, the thing about leprosy as well, back in ancient times, it was a very common disease. And, but it was very contagious. Whereas, whereas today, um, terminal cancer is not contagious. You can't get it from somebody. But leprosy is contagious. And so what they had to do, according to the law of God, to protect the people from this, this horrible disease, this, this fatal, um, deadly, loathsome disease, they had to separate the leper from the rest of society. And so, not only were you incurable, and you were, you were um, uh, just, it was just killing your body, and it was probably going to lead to your death, but not only that, you were separated from anybody else. You couldn't go to your family and have them comfort you. You couldn't go to your friends and have them comfort you. You were separate. You were an outcast of society. And that was to keep uh, people from this terrible disease uh, that could, they could contract themselves. So this Luke is painting the picture here would be very familiar to the people in ancient times that this man, it says, is full or he is covered in the late, probably the later stage of this disease, the later stage of leprosy. So it's probably, he's probably been for quite a while. So he's full of leprosy, is the description of this man. Okay, moving on to the next sentence in verse 12. It says this, And when he saw Jesus, so you can picture this man, this hopeless, nowhere to go, can't cure this disease this man has. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And so, so Luke paints a picture of this man. You can, you can see he's, he's, got, he's full of leprosy. But now we're going to take a look here. And Luke's going to give us a little bit of a look into the heart of this leper here. We're going to take a look on the inside a little bit. And, um, and what it says, the first thing in this line, it says, and when he saw Jesus, this man, he was looking for Jesus. He was looking for Jesus. Probably heard about the other reports of Christ. Keep in mind, many things have already happened in the book of Luke. He's already been healing. He's been preaching the good news from city to city. Things have been happening, and he's looking for Jesus. And so when he finds him, when he, when he sees Jesus, here's what, here's what happens um, to this leper. It says that he fell on his face. He falls on his face. How does he come to Jesus? The question, how does he come to Jesus? He falls on his face. He comes from a deep humility and a deep, a deep reverence for Jesus. I heard John MacArthur say it this way. He is acknowledging Jesus as you would a king or, or even God. So that you, can, you can see a deep humility. He, he falls on his face. I've never fallen on my face before anybody before. Have you guys ever fallen on your face before somebody? 
I've never fallen on my face before some of you, but the, whatever the humility in this man's heart and the realization of who Jesus is, the hearing of Jesus, it causes him to fall on his face before Jesus, to acknowledge Him like He would a king in ancient times, or even God to fall on His face. Not sure exactly what he believed about Jesus, not sure, but we do see that he falls on his face before Jesus. Um, In the presence of Jesus, he knew this. He was unworthy. In the presence of Jesus, he was unclean. He was filthy. He was wretched. He was deformed. And he was untouchable. He was an outcast. That's who this man was. And he comes and he falls on his face before the Lord Jesus. And it goes on, so you can see the deep humility of this leper. It's almost like he has no hope. He comes to Jesus and he begs him. See, and he begged him. He comes to Jesus desperately. Jesus is his only hope to get out of all of this mess he's in. He's got no other hope. No other person that can heal him. There's no cure for this disease. He's unclean. He's unworthy. And he comes to the only place. And this actually, he could actually possibly be stoned for coming to Jesus. In this way, he was supposed to stay away from everybody. They were to, to, according to the law of Moses, they were to stay away. If they got too close, they could be stoned for that. Now, I just wonder, maybe that would have been, maybe he says, that's okay. My only hope I've heard is Jesus, and I've got to come to him. I'm going to fall, and he falls on his face. He doesn't care. Maybe if I get stoned, maybe that'll just be better. Maybe that'll be better for me if I just get stoned. And he comes to Christ. His only hope to be clean is Jesus. And he begs him. He's desperate. He's desperate. I wonder if I've been this desperate in my life. So he comes to Jesus desperately, humbly, and desperately. And then. And then what he says to Jesus, take a look at verse 12. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He comes humbly, he comes desperately, and he comes not doubting the ability or the power of Jesus to make him clean. He doesn't doubt the the ability of Jesus to make him clean. He doesn't doubt the power of Christ, this man that he's heard about, to make him clean. He actually believes that Jesus has the power and the ability to heal him, to cleanse him. But the one thing he's uncertain of, but he is uncertain of Jesus' attitude or Jesus' will to do it. He's uncertain of his will. He can, he can heal me. Is he willing? I don't know. I don't know. I heard it explained this way as I was studying for this. Again, this is from John MacArthur. This man has a profound need, but no rights. No rights to demand anything. This man comes, he has a great and terrible need. He has a need to be cleansed of this horrible disease, but he comes with no rights. I have no rights to demand Jesus for anything. I have no rights. All I can do is just simply fall at his feet, humble myself, and say, Lord, I know you've got the power and the ability. If you will, you can make me clean. You can cleanse me, Lord. So he comes with no rights. Can you imagine this man, full of leprosy on his face before Jesus? 
just trying to picture this, of trying to get into his, to his life here, comes before Jesus. So keep that in mind, how this man comes to Jesus. Now in verse 13, Luke is going to show us Jesus. So this is kind of the question we posed to start with, is who is Jesus? The whole Gospels, really, the Gospels are about Jesus. Who is Jesus? What's the character of Christ? And, and what we're going to find out is now it's going to go to tell us, of, of, it's going to show us the character, it's going to show us who Jesus is. And it goes on in verse 13, if you take a look here. It says, And Jesus stretched out His hand and touched Him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left Him. Look at the first, look at the first phrase. And Jesus stretched out His hand and touched Him. What an act of compassion by Jesus. Think about it from the man's perspective. He's full of leprosy. He's loathsome, outcast, he's unclean, he's unworthy, he's deformed, he's a deformed man who probably hasn't been touched by a clean person. I'm guessing it could be years. He probably hasn't been touched by a clean person in years. I mean, if you put yourself in that man's position here, humbled on his face, no rights before Christ, can't demand anything, not sure. He knows Christ has the power and the, the ability to cleanse him, but not sure of the will of Jesus Christ, this man. And here's what you can imagine. His face is down. His face is down, probably not looking at Jesus. But then what Jesus does is He stretches out His hand and He touches him. He touches this man. I wonder what compassion and love and grace was communicated in that touch. Just by that simple touch of Jesus Christ to this man, I wonder what kind of love and grace and compassion was communicated just through the touch. Jesus touches the man. Jesus connects Himself to the, fer- to the leper. He connects Himself to this leprous man who, who a normal person would, would have to stay far away because they could contract the disease. They could contract it. We, we, could, we could receive the disease of leprosy. So we had to stay away, but Jesus is no normal man. And so he touches the leper, and the leper does not make him unclean. The leper doesn't defile Jesus. The leper doesn't uh, make him unclean or, or anything like that. But Jesus actually, Jesus heals the man of leprosy because he's unlike any other man that's walked the face of the earth. No other man is like Christ. Jesus is not defiled. He's, he's not made unclean, but he heals this man of this horrible, disgusting Horrible disease. And he says this. Touches him. Act of compassion. Saying this, I will be clean. Again. Again. The character of Christ here seen. Who is Jesus? Look at, look at what happens here. Again, he's already touched him. And now what compassion and grace from our Lord to this man full of leprosy. Jesus assures the man of the one thing he was uncertain of. He was uncertain of the will of Jesus Christ. He was uncertain, is He willing to clean me? Is He willing to clean me of the leprosy? And He he assures this man of the one thing he was uncertain of and of which he waited for. The leper waited for this. He waited for the answer. And Jesus, and His will is to do so. He says, I will. Can you imagine that? God in the flesh saying, I will be clean. 
I will this, I will this. It wasn't like this. Oh, I guess. Oh, man, all right, I guess. You're clean. That's not how Jesus did it. This guy came humbly to Christ. He has no other hope, and, and it's Jesus' will to clean this man, to, to totally clean him. It's his good and gracious, and it's his perfect will to clean this man. I don't know, study the will of God. It's, it's, his, it's his good pleasure. But it's the will of Jesus. He says, I will be clean, he pronounces as he touches this man. And look at what happens. Immediately, it says. Luke is telling us something here. Immediately, the leprosy left him. He was immediately, when this happens, when Jesus touches him and says, I will be clean, immediately and fully, he is completely cleaned. Completely. He's, there's, there's no uncleanness about him anymore. Jesus has totally cleansed the man. Um, That's it, what it says. It, it left him. Immediately the leprosy left him. And again, I'm just going to use uh, uh, another, illust- another thing that John MacArthur said because I was just as I was studying. He was one of the big ones that I studied as reading this. And he says, John MacArthur says this as well. Jesus recreates this man full of leprosy. Jesus recreates him. If you imagine, if you think about it, this man, he's, he's, his digits are probably eaten away. His, his face is totally deformed from what he looked like as a, as a, as a child or as whatever. And in order for that leprosy to leave him, he is pronounced clean, undefiled, but also he's recreated. His form comes back to him. His skin is healed. Maybe, maybe he's, his, his ear comes back on or whatever, his, or his digits. He's totally fully healed, totally and fully cleansed. And so he recreates this man, the power of Jesus, the power of God to recreate this man. So Luke shows us what happens here. And in the showing this, he shows us the leper and he shows us who Jesus is. And he goes on in verse 14. I always find this interesting. And he charged them to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Isn't that interesting? And, and he charged him to tell no one. Man, isn't that hard? That's pretty hard. Just cleanse this guy and go tell nobody. From what I understand of this, if you guys look up, look at Luke chapter 4. This has already happened in Luke a little bit. If you take a look at Luke chapter 4, verse 42, it says this. Jesus has been healing, and it says, And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him. So the people were seeking him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. So he was getting so popular that he was healing so many people, and he's preaching that he was getting so popular that people were saying, you know what, don't leave us. We want you here. We, don't leave. We, we want you here. And so, but Jesus has a mission. Take a look at this. Look at verse 43. But He said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. I was sent for a reason. I was sent to do the works of the Messiah. I was sent to go and preach the good news of the kingdom into these other towns as well. I can't just stay right here. So sometimes the crowds actually, he, he healed about anybody that would come to him, but, but the crowds sometimes 
would, would, would keep him from his... Sometimes they wanted to make him king, and, and that, that wasn't his purpose of coming yet. He had to, he had to suffer and die yet. He had to do the, the works that his father was going to give him to do. And so, so, so he tells him to say, he says, don't tell anyone right now. But here's what he does tell him to do. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing and, and as Moses commanded for a proof to them. He says this, no, don't go tell anybody, but here's the thing. Go and show yourself to the priest. The priest guys in the Old Testament at this time, they were like the, the board of health. Okay? You go to the board of health. They examine, if you had a skin disease, they would examine you. They would pronounce you unclean. Oh, they look at your body. Okay, you're unclean. You've got to go outside of the camp. Okay? But if you were healed, then they would also examine you to see if you were totally healed, totally clean. And they would examine your body and they would have you do something and, and they, would, they would, could pronounce you clean. And so what Jesus says is you go to the priest. You know what that priest is going to find? The priest is going to find that he's completely healed. He's going to examine him. This man who's fully of leprosy is now healed. He's going to find that. And, he's, and he's, it's this also that he's going to usher this man back into, the, back into the congregation of Israel. He's going to usher this man back into it. That's the way he gets back in. So Jesus says, go, go obey the law of Moses as Moses commanded for proof to them. It's a testimony to them. It's proof to them. What it's going to prove is it's almost like, well, how'd this happen? Well, I can tell you Jesus healed me. Jesus totally, completely healed me. And it's going to be a proof to them. It's going to be a sign to them. What's it a sign of? Let me, let me just give you a couple things here. Turn real quick. I'm running out of time here. But turn to Luke chapter 7. So stay in the book of Luke. And um, go to verse 20. Go to verse 20. I think it's a sign of a couple things here. It's going to be a sign of a couple things. Look at verse uh, 20. Luke 7, verse 20. It says this, And when the men had come to Jesus, to Him, they said, these are John the Baptist sends messengers to Jesus. And look at what, look at what John the Baptist, the, these messengers say to Jesus. John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Are you the one that God has prophesied about in the Old Testament? Are you the one to come? Is this you? John the Baptist is sending messengers asking that. All right, is this you? Look at what goes on here. So they're asking him for John the Baptist. Look at verse 21. In that hour, look at what Jesus does. He healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And look at Jesus' answer to the messengers. Verse 22. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Look at this one. Lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He doesn't tell Jesus. He doesn't tell John. He doesn't tell John's messengers, yes, I'm the one. He tells him by his works. What, tell him what you see here. You see lepers cleansed. You see, you see the blind receiving sight. It's a sign that that Jesus is the one that is to come. The one that was prophesied about in the Old Testament, Isaiah and all those prophets, Moses, they, Jesus is the one to come. This is Him. He's here. We're to see that. He's here. And I, and I, th I believe the second proof 
to, to be is this. Don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it for sake of time. 2 Kings chapter 5. The king of Syria. Here's what happens. The king of Syria sends Naaman, the leper. This man has leprosy. The king of Syria sends him to the king of Israel for healing. You know, go to the king of Israel. He'll heal you. Okay? In outrage, the king of Israel reacts with these words. So the leper, Naaman, gets to the king of Israel. Imagine being the king of Israel. And, and the leper comes to you to be healed. And here's his response. He says this. He says, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends, sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? What the Jews believed, they believed that God healed leprosy. So again, it's, it's a sign of who Jesus is. God in flesh. He's, he's the one to come. And He is God in flesh. He's both. Back to Luke chapter 5 here. Um, to kind of bring it around here. Verse 15. But now even more the report about Him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear Him and to be healed of their infirmities. So you can just see what continues to happen in His ministry. But, and then verse 16. But He would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus would get away from there. You see His humanity here as well. That he would, he would actually get away from the crowds at times to pray. I wonder if he, I wonder if he, um, if he took refreshment and strength and maybe guidance when his time alone in prayer. Because he had a ministry to do and he took time to pray to fulfill that ministry. You see the, the, the humanness of Jesus as well. Seeking his Father's will completely and fully. Drawing strength and comfort and whatever he needs from his Father. He often did that to pray. So you see his manhood as well. So Anyway, that's the picture of, of Christ. Who is he? I think that's the main point of the text is uh, who Jesus is. And, we can, and it can apply to us in many ways. I just think about it. I want to apply it. I, I, don't want to, I don't mean to spiritualize it. You don't want to spiritualize everything in the Scripture, or uh, making it all an allegory. But think of it in his analogy as well. Think of an analogy of, of sin, the leper of sin, and the way that we come to Christ. This last summer I heard Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias. Um, he, told a little, he told a story um, about a friend of his. His friend told him this story. It's a true story. And maybe it'll kind of help us um, understand this a little bit better as well. He wasn't speaking on this, but just a, a story. His friend, he had a friend, um, an older friend, who's passed away for, pro, for a while now, but um, he was a British, he was a British um, reporter. And he was, this British reporter was in India. This is probably the 1940s, I'm guessing, somewhere around there. He's in India. He's at a university in India. And it was a custom in India to, to, um, to bathe in, down in the river. And so this, this man, this reporter from Britain, it was in the morning, and so he goes down for his morning, morning bath to bathe in the, um, in the morning. So he goes down the river. As he's, as he's bathing, he sees in the distance a woman coming from the other side of the river into for her morning bath as well. And what, what begins to happen in this man, he, he, in, his, in his mind, in his heart, he, he believes that he can... He's in a foreign place and he believes he can buy a foreign woman for a moment of pleasure. And so what he does is 
he takes off swimming towards this woman. And he's, he's swimming. And he, and he recounts this. He says, I, I, I knew something was telling me this is not right, this is not right, this is wrong. But he continued to swim. He was just held captive. He continued to swim, continued to swim. Held captive by this. Couldn't, just was drawn. He kept swimming, kept swimming. You can imagine the, the terror of this woman as this man is, is uh, swimming towards her. And so he's, he's swimming, and as he gets, as he gets close, and he, and he comes out out of the water, and he, and he kind of gets the water out of his eyes, the woman throws her hands up to cover herself, and he is surprised by what he sees. What he sees is this woman is full of leprosy. Her face is deformed, her digits are eaten away, and, and she's, she's full of leprosy. And he said the first thing that came to his mind, First thing that he thought was, what a lecherous woman. What a disgusting woman was the first thing that came to his mind. And then what hit him like a ton of bricks, just a few moments later, he thought about him, hit him like a ton of bricks. He said, you know what? It's not this woman that is lecherous. I am the man with the lecherous heart. I am the man with the disgusting heart here. And it hit him like a ton of bricks. And that's the idea here in this, in this uh, portion of Scripture here with Jesus cleansing the leper. Is when, when the Lord reveals our sin to us, He reveals our sin, and we're humbled, and we have no hope, and we understand that before the Lord it's disgusting, it's an abomination of the things that I've done and loved in this life. And... We realize that this message of the Gospel is good news to that soul. It's good news to the one who, when God reveals their sin, and you have nothing to, no hope to be offered, the, the, the person and the work of Jesus Christ is good news to the soul. That we can go to Him humbly, and uh, we see His willingness to cleanse completely and fully to completely forgive us, to recreate us, to make us new people. It's almost like David in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Um, purge me and I shall clean me and I shall be whiter than snow. He cleanse us, make us new um, to, those, to those that come to Christ. So and if, as, you look, as you read the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, he says, I didn't come to call the righteous, Jesus says. I came to call sinners. Those that are revealed that they're sinners, and it's good news uh, to them of Jesus. And you say, last thing here, and you say, well, I've known this for a long time. I've known Christ for a long time. Well, I would just say with Peter, as he says in 2 Peter 3.18, grow, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory now and to all of eternity. Amen. Grow in Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank You this morning for Your Word. I pray that You would open our eyes to see reality, to see that we are like the leper in our hearts, and that Christ is the one that cleanses. Christ and who He is. I'm, thank, I'm, I'm standing here thankful that Christ is willing, that Christ is gracious to a, a sinner like me. I pray that we would grow I pray that You would work powerfully in the hearts and the lives of, of all of us in this room. 
to um, make us less of us and more of Christ, that our lives would just exude, ex- exempt your glory, to, to ex- display your glory, Father. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your guidance. Would you just make us receive the things you desire us to receive this morning, whether it's discipline or, or conviction or whether we need to receive grace, whatever it may be, Lord, may it be for your glory. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.